Welcome to the Agony Aunties podcast mini-series. Each week, we're diving into some of your questions and offering our unique insights and therapeutic expertise to help you navigate life's challenges. As seasoned therapists, I'm quite a lot more seasoned than my daughters. We're here to share our thoughts, perspectives, and a dose of compassion. So get ready for each episode where listener questions take centre stage and we do our best to provide you with thoughtful guidance and a touch of wisdom. So this one is about siblings. Ooh, interesting, Soph. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) No subtext here. (laughs) How to deal with an estranged sibling who ignores me and wants no contact? Well, it's hard not having a bit more information about the context of that, isn't it? But trying to think what I would do if you, M, were ignoring me and have no contact. So painful. You have to accept the bits that you can't control and focus on the things around self-care that you can control. It's like a grieving. I don't know, though, because if I really wanted to have a relationship with you um, and you wanted to cut me off, There'd be that bit. There'd be the grieving part and the and taking care of myself. But I think I would want to keep at sort of intervals, just reaching out if it was appropriate. It's hard to know without the context. But if it did seem appropriate, say we'd had a big falling out and I wanted to make up and you didn't, I think I would probably write you a letter mm-hmm. that was an invitation to try and heal. And I might every now and then just stick out an olive branch to see if you might mm-hmm. little. A little text, a little thinking of you or saw this today or I'm ready to talk when you are to keep the kind of possibility of it open. Not doing that all the time, not harassing harassing the person. And obviously if they respond and say, please stop doing that, then you stop doing that. You need to listen to that. I mean, the research shows that siblings um, can be estranged and then they can reconnect after years of disconnection, Um, that there's something about the bond of memory and history together and being family that can overcome it but the other thing I was thinking about and actually I had another question on Instagram which connected to is this personal sense of shame and guilt that there must be something wrong with me Mm. if my sibling doesn't want anything to do with me and that awful kind of career and it goes so to such an early part of one because they really know mm. you in a way that people in your adult life don't know mm. you and that it's it's so painful that sense of shame that there's something wrong mm, so wrong with you such a toxic feeling shame and anger I think if you didn't speak to me so when I reached out and you just ignored me I'd be incredibly pissed off with you yeah so I guess it's finding ways to yeah. like healthy ways to express that mm. Like, I would just be so angry in my helplessness. Like, I can't make you talk to me. I can't make you want to have a relationship with me. Mm-hmm. Like, the powerlessness of it. Yeah. Mm. And that would apply to any estrangement, isn't it? There, I think we did have a podcast episode, and we there did. is that website. Mm-hmm. Is it Standalone? Which is, I think that's um, mostly for sort of within your, your parents and children uh, estrangement. But that, I think there are lots of resources there, but also other people who've had those experiences. Get support. Get support. And get lots of love and validation for the people that do love you, you know, mm. and care about you yeah. and see you. And That's a nice point. Help antidote that feeling of rejection. Mm. My brother scapegoats me, causes me pain. Should I move away? I relocated to be closer to family. 
That's a difficult one. Like you, she moved or he moved to be close to his or her brother and then feels like she becomes the one that gets mm. blamed for everything mm-hmm. always. Yeah, I mean, it sounds very, very complicated. It does make me think of the sort of drama triangle of roles where mm. you have, you know, a victim, a persecutor and a rescuer, broader family dynamic in terms of roles that you might play. And I think it's really, really difficult. But the way to change that is to step out of the role, to step out of the role of the scapegoat. I think sometimes one way of stepping out the role, isn't it, is is to assert yourself. So to find a way of saying that what's happening is not okay. And from that, you move from a victim position. And the point is not to move into a persecutor position. So this is not about flipping the triangle and you ended up moving into persecutor and they end up moving to victim. It's about trying to assert without attack, finding words that say, when you do this, I feel like that. Not you're making me feel like this, or you do this to mm. me, or you're bad. I'm you know, I came here mm. to be close and you've behaved this way. It's trying to find a voice for yourself. So you're not powerless. You know, it's one of the ways you can assert yourself and trying to think of the ways that you can regain power. When we feel attacked, scapegoated, abused, we often lose our voice, lose our realization that actually we have more power than we think we have over these relationships or in these relationships. Um, And you can get a friend, a sort of emotionally intelligent friend or partner or someone to help you find those words. And if you can't say them, then I would write them or I would email them. You have a lot more control in those mediums. And you can be really Mm -hmm. clear and say, this is hard to say and I don't mean it as an attack. I'm really happy to have a conversation to follow up from this if you're not using it in person. But I've been finding X difficult when you do X, I feel like Y. And I would try and avoid using very heavily loaded words like scapegoat has an implication, even though it may be exactly how you feel, it has an implication that the other person has done the wrong. Mm. Whereas you can say, I feel hurt. I feel misunderstood. I feel, misunderstood. I feel less important than you in that moment, even if that's not how you think it feels, that this mm. is how it makes me feel. And you can say, I would like to know how it is for you. Create it as an invitation for them to say, well, actually, for me, it's not like that. I feel like X, Y, Z. But it can it can be empowering to find voice. And also, if it's that's impossible, then find ways to assert yourself in by taking space, by just saying, no, I'm not going to come there if that's how it is for me. Then no, I'm not going to go. I wouldn't move, though. No. The, the other thing I was thinking is the backdrop to what you're saying is that in families, between siblings and with parents, they, often there's this false idea that we all had the same childhood or that we all think the same mm. things. And I think what's important to recognise that every member of a family has their own personal narrative and their own personal experience. So they would have had a different relationship with their dad or their mum just because of where they were in the family order, what their particular personality, how that built a relationship with their mum or their dad. I do think sibling relationships as a whole are very under uh, acknowledged in how they influence your sense of attachment and how important they can be for your security. So I think in acknowledging that to yourself, you kind of give yourself the validity of what you're feeling, because I think sibling relationships can be extremely powerful in who you are and how, and your sense of um, secure attachment. Mm. 
And to that point, it's worth having a moment of reflection before you maybe approach them. Of, is this evoking a childhood dynamic? Was this what it was like when we were young? Is this actually happening? Sometimes we feel like something's happening because it used to happen. And then we re- reinterpret someone's mm. behavior as it's happening again. And maybe it is happening again, but is it also evoking a kind of story that you tell yourself about who you are and who you are in the family context and who they are? Because that's useful not only with that person, but also how you might have relationships in the world. Does this come up often for you Mm. or is it only with them? The other thing I've seen with clients is with the sibling relationship. Sometimes they they need to kind of express their loss or their pain or their fury from that young place and release it like an old hurt, which then opens them up to to move into their kind of adult selves and then be more resilient. Mm. I think, yes, allowing yourself to say the words of how they actually feel to yourself and possibly not to that person unless you have a really strong relationship that understands that process can be very releasing. It's like kind of sometimes I think it's helpful to say, in terms of your body, like where do I feel the pain in your heart, in your gut, in your stomach, and in your throat? Mm-hmm. And like, if that could part could talk, what would it say? Sorry. Sometimes that helps mm-hmm. us get to the raw childhood words, whereas Voice. otherwise, other mm-hmm. often our head interferes with the kind of more childlike feelings. I think that's lovely. Thank you for listening today. Obviously, everything that we've said is just our reflections from the questions you've given us so if they don't fit or they don't apply to you or the circumstances are really different please feel like you can bin it and let it go um this is just what's come up for us when we've been listening to those questions and i hope for some of you it's been very helpful and if you have enjoyed it and you think it's helpful please share and subscribe we also have our substack newsletter and this is the beginning of a new process of agony aunties hope you enjoy Let me tell you about a podcast I love, and honestly, I wish I'd been around when my children were younger. The Motherkind podcast explores how to feel happier, more confident and empowered in your motherhood, even in this world of pressure, judgment and comparison. Host Zoe Blasky is the UK's leading motherhood coach, and I love her kind, wise and empathetic approach to the challenges mothers face today. Every week, she speaks to an incredible expert, such as Gabor Maté, Dr. Julie Smith, and me, to share actionable steps and powerful lessons to living your life as a mother with more joy and unapologetic confidence. Listen wherever you get your podcast. Just search Mother Kind.